All right, guys, so welcome back into another PGA DFS video. Going to be getting into the core plays here for the RBC Heritage in 2021. Also going to give you that quick recap of the Masters. Man, that seemed like a freaking like two-week tournament. It was exciting. Uh, lots of grinding going on. Just a good tournament overall. We'll get into that recap here right now. All right, so I had the player pool pulled up here for you guys. So as you can see, you know, pretty darn solid player pool. So 20 out of our 24 players ended up making the cut. And that was kind of the overall point of the player pool is that you really want to have a concentrated player pool so that the players that did well would help you out to have a really solid GPP build. So Rom, Jordan, Connors all had a T8 finish or better. The top three players in our player pool had a T8 finish or better. Uh, we look at Daniel Berger, missed the cut on the number. That was pretty unfortunate. Had he made the cut, it would have been a massive week, as you guys can kind of tell by the player pool. And then Abram Answer kind of BS there with uh, his two-stroke penalty with the sand there. Pretty unfortunate. If he doesn't get that two-stroke penalty, he has a top 20 finish which, you know, would have helped out a lot more as well. But looking it over, pretty darn solid. So five of our players had a T8 finish or better. So 20% of our player pool had a T8 finish or better. We look at the top 12 players here, 50% of them had a T12 or better finish, which is pretty good. Our top two value plays, Corey Connors, which all in all was a pretty easy play. We've known that since the Bolero Texas Open. And Brian Harmon, top 12 play, kind of easier play. You end up being a mid-exposure play. We look at the values, only one miscut there. Low-exposure plays did exactly what you'd want them to do, which is have some upside. Um, we look at Colin Morikawa, Xander, and Zalthoris. They all did kind of what you'd want from them to have that upside. Louis Oosthuizen, here's the other side of the spectrum where you know he barely made the cut. That's what those plays are supposed to do. We look at the fades from last week as well. We look at DJ, Rory, and Westwood. You know, all pretty solid fades there as well. And then just touching on it, uh, after round one, Hideki was rated top five to win the Masters. And, you know, that's a video that we've been doing for the past like eight weeks or so. And we've hit the winner in the top 10 most likely to win since doing that. So we're 100% doing that. If you guys aren't watching that video, I don't know what you're doing because we've really, it's super easy to have a good showdown slate um, after round one. It's highly predictable. And as you guys can tell, we've been able to hit the winner. 100% of the weeks now looking after round one. So definitely something that I think you guys should be checking out. But let's get into that tournament overview sheet right now. So just one quick reminder about this tournament is that in 2020, this was the second tournament back from break, if you will. It went Charles Shaw Challenge, Charles Schwab Challenge. A lot of you guys um, know what the Charles Shaw Challenge is all about. And if you don't, you will this year as well. Uh, but um, this was the second bet after that, and we really didn't know what to expect from it. And it ended up playing a little bit easier. As you guys can see, the cut was minus four. The winning score was 22 under. Webb was able to dominate that, and he was the top player in the player pool that week, um, number one in the model. So obviously went out and played well. Weather's been a little bit hit or miss, which probably does affect how the tournament plays. As you guys can see, when it's been you know really bad weather, it's been even par. And then when it's been you know pretty good weather, it's been under par, but overall average win score, 1400 par average cut line right around 1.2 uh, under par. And then we look at the key stats for this tournament. We're just looking at the top 20 players, how they finish in this tournament. We can see that, you know, definitely going to be more of a driving accuracy course over driving distance. We can easily see that here. We see that ball striking is going to be, you know, a key stat. You need to be able to um, place your shots where you need to. So it's pretty, pretty darn simple. Hit the fairways, hit the greens. 
you're going to have a good week. So we're going to be looking at strokes gain approach, ball striking, a little bit of driving accuracy, more good drives gained. Then we can also see that, you know, birdie to bogey ratio can be a little bit more of a key factor than birdie or better percentage. So that's going to be the scoring stat that we look at and no real significant advantage to any of those yardage ranges. So no real reason to look at that. Uh, we'll touch on those players that are going to be top key stats here. All right, so just looking at, this is going to be another week where we're going to be looking at those effective stats. So effective stats are a nine to five stat where we're just taking the stats an extra step further. We want to look at strokes gain approach. Well, we're going to look at pretty much which players were gaining strokes effectively. So effective greens and regulations, or we're going to be looking at effective ball striking, effective birdie to bogey ratio, total driving. You can look at as well. I'm fine with that. Uh, strokes gain approach. Like I already mentioned strokes gain to green. You can easily look at that. Um, strokes gain approach is already factored into that. So I kind of want to pull out the most key stat for strokes gain T to green top five stat fits in that are going to be Colin Morikawa, Cordy Connors, Webb Simpson, Emiliano Grillo, and Russell Henley. A couple of those guys will pop up here on the course history page, which I'll pull up now. So just looking over, these are the players that have the best course history with a minimum of two starts. Um, just kind of wanted to put that out there. Um, this is a course where you don't exactly need course history going to play well, but we see those players that do have good course history tend to continue to play well here. Kind of like the Masters, if you will. Uh, Patrick Cantley is a guy that's had, you know, two really solid starts here, as well as has Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger's had a third and a 33rd place finish. Ian Poulter's made four straight cuts here in a row. Uh, Webb Simpson has made four straight cuts here in a row as well with a first, a 16th, a fifth, and 11th. Um, JT Poston, two made cuts here in a row. You know, pretty solid course history here as well. I do want to mention Matthew Naismith. He does have some ties here to this course, which we'll touch on here in a second. And then just looking at the players that have good recent form. All right, so the players that have good recent form, it's not going to shock anyone here. Paul Casey has been a stud really for the past four months now. Um, really just <laughs> tough to find anyone that's been playing better than him. But we also have Will Zatoris here, who you can make an argument has been really the most consistent, thus the best player on tour. If he got a win, you know, you could really make an argument for that. Um, the point being that he's been playing great. Brian Harmon has three straight top 15 finishes. Matt Fitzpatrick just continues to be a stud here as well. Um, and Cameron Smith kind of rounding that out here as well. But um, really tough to pass up on Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's been playing really well recently. But now we'll get into the picks here for this week. Then, as you guys know, I'm going to do this the way that I always do. I'm going to highlight the top four players in each price point range. But this week, there's only like three players that I like in the mid-tier price point range. So I'm just going to give you five players here in the high tier. We're going to start off with one of the core plays here. Actually, that's going to be Webb Simpson. So Webb, it's just going to be tough for me to avoid Webb this week. Um, just been playing great recently. Other than that miscut at the players, it's kind of been well documented for us that that was a mud ball at 17 that really caused him to miss a cut there. Besides that, he's at a fourth, a 42nd, a sixth, a miscut, the players 28th, and then 12th place last week. The only worry with Webb this week really comes down to two things. One, he's the defending champ, and defending champs have kind of struggled for some reason or another. Uh, we saw that with DJ last week. That's kind of one of the reasons why he's a fade. Another reason why he just wasn't playing all too well recently. Webb has been playing pretty well. He has been a slow starter, though. He's had, like, really one bad round. That gives you a little bit of a worry. If he kind of just makes that one bad round a little bit better, he could easily go out and defend his title here. 
going to be a great stat rank, has great course history, like I already mentioned. He is a top three stat fit with the lowest stat that we're looking at is going to be effective greens gain, ranking fourth in that, but he ranks second in effective birdie to bogey ratio, top 20 in effective ball striking and effective total driving. You know, Webb Simpson is just going to be a standout play for us this week. And then we just pull up Colin Morikawa here. So Colin Morikawa, to me, is a guy that should be a phenomenal play for us this week. Um, ninth in recent form. You know, he's been pretty solid recently. And you can see his starts 18th, 56th, 41st, 1st, and 43rd. And that's 7th place finish for his recent form. He did make the cut here last year, which is a good sign for him. In his first start, really, once again, this tournament was the second tournament after the restart if you will due to covid reasons so kind of it's very tough to gauge the course history with that sense but the fact is that he made the cut got that course experience so that's going to help him out here this year uh he's actually ranking out as the first top staff fit this week guys top 15 in effective total driving effective ball striking effective greens gain strokes gain t to green uh, effective birdie to bogey ratio is fourth and scoring board for the cut is six he's made nine straight cuts in a row um, really just going to be a solid play, uh, all around there for Colin Morikawa. Then we look at Daniel Berger here as well. Daniel Berger. All right. So the last time he missed the cut by one, he went out and won the next week at Pebble beach. So really all in all, I'm not too worried about that missed cut there for Daniel Berger. We saw him have a third and a 33rd place finish here in the past. It's going to be a top 10 stat rank play. And once again, doesn't really have any stats that are going to worry you. And I think that's the reason why he's been able to grind out some made cuts and almost made the cut in other events he's been finishing like really in the top 50 or so percent in all of his tournaments this year so that's a really good sign for someone like daniel berger let me go down to Corey connors here Corey connors i don't mind missed two cuts here in a row and then had a 21st place finish here you know all in all this would be a great course for Corey connors if he continues to play the way that he's been playing Second best staff in the field. He was like top 10 last week, so no surprise there. Um, he's expected to kind of have a good finish here this week. And then we do want to look at Matt Fitzpatrick. Matthew Fitzpatrick kind of getting sick of that here. Um, top 21 stat rank play, which for him, that is pretty surprising because he, all in all, hadn't not been playing well at the start of the season. So good to see him starting to pop up there. Now we go down into the mid-tier range here. Like I said, only going to have three players that I want to highlight here as picks, but... Two of those three are going to be core plays. So we're going to start out with Abraham Manser here. Finish second place here. That's what the photo is showing us here. That's a little bit of heartbreak there for Abraham Manser at this tournament last year. But Abraham Manser has rattled off five straight top 26 or better finishes on tour. Miscut at Genesis. And then he had a top five finish at the American Express. So this guy has been in some pretty solid recent form. And I think that should go to show you guys how kind of strong of a field we have that he ranks 13th in recent form with five straight T26 or better finishes on tour. Uh, we look at his starts here at this tournament. Miscut here in his first time. And then he went out and got a second place finish. Furthering the fact that, you know, getting course history here helps out. And then he was able to kind of take that course familiarity and get a top two finish. Overall, he ranks out as a top six stat fit. The only worry with him is it's going to be a strokes gain T to green, uh, where he ranks 50th. Everything else is going to be top 30 or better. So I'm not too worried about Abraham Answer here as a play. He ranks out top 10 in the model this week. And then we get into the next core play here. Kind of crazy that I'm saying this. Um... 
We're looking at Brian Harmon here, 8.7. The value play last week, and that's one of those things. These two players, Answer and Harmon, were both very mispriced. We kind of knew that last week. So not all too shocking to see them get a huge price boost, but it makes sense for Harmon. So Harmon has made three out of four cuts here in a row, and all three of those made cuts had been top 30 finishes with a top 10 finish in 2017. We look at his recent form, 12th, 5th, 3rd. He's actually made nine straight cuts in a row on tour, guys. I uh, ranks out top 20 as a staff fit, but there is a big difference between like his top 20 of a staff fit and Abraham Mancer's like top 10 staff fit. Huge difference there for those two because we're looking at Brian Harmon, uh, 68th in effective total driving, 73rd in effective ball striking, uh, 80th in effective greens gain, 63rd in strokes gain to green, and 28th in effective birdie to bogey ratio. The good thing about him is that he is pretty strong uh, in scoring before the cut where he ranks fourth in that. So all signs point to him being able to make the cut this week. And then we get into the last player in this range. Nine to five's boy from last year, Harris English. Seems like he's kind of figuring things out here. Uh, finally starting to play better on the season. Made four straight cuts in a row on tour. And, you know, we kind of expected him to have a natural fall off once he took down a tournament, which he did. Uh, the S2SC was a winner there. Naturally, he thought he was going to fall off a little bit. Now he's starting to come back, which we like to see. He's going to be a top 20 staff fit here as well. Once again, like Daniel or like Brian Harmon, nothing too elite staff fit wise that you really want to go crazy with, but still ranking out as a top 20 staff fit. And kind of because of that, he really is checking all the boxes. Um, as a lot of you guys know, checking all the boxes really means a few things. Uh, recent form, they need to make three straight cuts in a row with a top 30 finish. Check. Um, course history needs to have made three straight cuts in a row with at least a top 30 finish check there as well. And then staff it, we want him to rank out as a top 30 staff fit. So I bring that up because Hideki was pretty much one of those players last week. That was a guy that was checking all the boxes. Not exactly a guy you want to guard your way for with Harris English, but same thing with Hideki last week where they, these guys were, they're checking all the boxes. They can easily put it all together and have a spectacular week. So it wouldn't shock me all in all. If Harris English does go out and have a good week, going to be a good play in that price point range. But really, nothing that I love here uh, other than those three in that price point range. So we're going to drop down into the low tier now. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting, if you will. We got a lot of the players that we've been on a decent amount. Um, Charlie Hoffman, Chris Kirk are the main two here. So Charlie Hoffman, we look at it, guys. Um, eighth in recent form. He has been pretty spectacular. And I've mentioned this a few times now. He withdrew at the American Express and Farmers in the miscut at the Waste Management Phoenix Open due to an injury, okay? Since then, a 7th, a 10th, a 17th, and a 2nd place finish. He's a guy where I kind of wanted to roster him last week at the Masters. Obviously, he didn't play in it, but he could have made some damage there or did some damage at the Masters last week had he been in it. He ranks out as a top 13 staff at this week, guys. Um, could be a little bit better in effective total driving, but I do like to see that, you know, top 58 in... Uh, effective ball striking, top 50 in effective greens gain, good in strokes gain, tee to green, good in effective birdie to bogey ratio. We like to see that. Course history could be a little bit better. Two made cuts and two missed cuts. His best finish being a top 25 finish. That's kind of the worry there with him. And that's kind of the similar price point theme that we see in this range. Because like the next player is going to be Chris Kirk, who we know really has been a stud. Five straight make cuts on tour. But if we date back to the Sony, second, 16th, miscut the Waste Management Phoenix Open. 
mentioned that a bunch now, kind of as the reasons as to why, the game theory as to why you'd miss the cut there. 16th, 8th, 48th, 25th, and 6th place finish. Chris Kirk has been a stud. He ranks out as a top 20 stat fit as well. The only issue with Chris Kirk as a play is that this tournament, as opposed to the other ones, he hasn't had the best course history. One made cut, which was a 55th place finish, and he has two missed cuts. So I don't think I'll end up on Chris Kirk as a core play or a high exposure play like I had in weeks past, but he still is going to be a good play. Moving on to Kevin Streelman here. Kevin Streelman missed the cut here last year, um, which really started a downfall to him season-wise. It really starts to seem like he's starting to figure out his game again. Um, we look at his recent form, but I'm pretty good. Two straight make cuts in a row, miscut at the players. You know, you don't expect much from him there. 52nd, 13th, 22nd, 37th, and then miscut at the American Express. Good to see him coming into good recent form, though. Don't really count the Dell match play tournament, but can't really knock him. Ninth place finish, we like that. 36th at the Honda. Course history-wise, miscut, 6th, and a 7th place finish. He also ranks out top 22 as a stat fit. So, you know, for me, it's kind of like why pay up for Harris English when we can get a very similar play in Kevin Stroman at the same price point. You know, it's kind of the problem that we had this week. And then we're looking at Lucas Glover at 7.1. It was kind of tough to trim down this range because there's so many like players. But to me, I kind of just looked at Lucas Glover, who has made five straight cuts in a row on tour. And they've been ascending. They've been getting better each week, which we always like to see or descending. I don't know how you guys like to look at that. They've been getting better is the point. Um, from uh, 66 to a 48 to a 19th to a 4th. We like that. Course history-wise, very similar to that of Brian Harmon with one miscut. And the other ones have been spectacular. 21st, 32nd, and 32nd. The only issue with Lucas Glover is that he only ranks out top 39 as a stat fit. He's one of those players that I'll pull up on the 9-5 specialist page here to really get the key stats as to how he's been playing recently, see if he's been improving, which all in all we'll be able to tell by looking at that. And now we get into the value plays. The value plays are pretty good. And it's kind of going to be the theme where the most optimal lineup has been two value plays and two studs and go from there. My best lineup last week was one with Corey Connors, Brian Harmon, um, John Rahm, and Jordan Spieth. And I think that's going to be a very, very similar approach for us this week. And we're going to start off with another core play here for you guys, Matthew Naismith. So I want you guys to take a very close look here at this picture. That is Matthew Naismith getting engaged at this tournament. Okay, he's played some amateur events here, done really well at this event in the past. Um, and then his first start on the tour playing this course, he had a top 33 place finish. Obviously, he's really comfortable with this course, uh, really enjoys this course, and he does rank out top 15 um, stat fit wise. And where he gets knocked is his effective birdie to bogey ratio and his scoring before the cut. He ranks 103rd in scoring before the cut and 70th in effective birdie to bogey ratio. But everywhere else, he's one of those guys where he could put it together and go out and win this tournament. He's 11th in effective total driving, 7th in effective ball striking. 8th in effective greens game, and 25th in strokes gained tee to green. The recent form-wise, 34th and 36th place finish, two missed cuts in a row. Then he had a 20th, 16th, 7th, and 48th. He kind of is a streaky golfer here in his young career, but given the fact that he's had you know, that good course history, I do expect him to go out and make the cut. He actually ranks out top nine in the model this week. Kind of crazy there, but that's just some great value. We can't pass that. Very similar play to that of Corey Connors last week. 
And now we get into the next play. We got Chase Seifert here, ranking out top 20 in recent form, kind of echoing how well players have been playing coming into this event. Uh, guys, he's had a 44th, 18th, 3rd, and 15th place finish. Three of his last four starts have been top 20 finishes, so really tells you the quality of field that we have going this week. Uh, overall, ranks out top 34 in stat fit rank. Now, what sucks is that we don't really have a good indication of has he been playing better recently? Obviously, he has, but two of those starts were the Corrales and the uh, Puta, <laughs> Puerto Rico Open. So, no strokes gained data for there. So, we can't really tell exactly how well he's been playing. But good to see that. Um, good to see he had a third place finish at the Honda. 6.7. I do think he's going to make for a good value play. No course history here for him. Then we get into Pat and Kazire. So, Pat and Kazire. Very intriguing play to me. He's made two cuts and missed two cuts with the top 32 finish in one of his made cuts. Uh, recent form has been pretty solid. Um, really before the miscut, the Honda, he was kind of just due for a miscut. Missed the cut, the Honda, and then followed it up with a top 10 finish at the Valero Texas Open. He's a guy that obviously has been playing some good golf. Ranks top 23, staff it wise. Overall ranks 41st in the model, giving him a 55% chance to make the cut, which at 6.5, obviously we'll take. We know that the strategy with value plays is just for them to make the cut. They're not always going to do what Brian Harmon and Corey Connors did for us last week, although it seems to be a trend. <laughs> it seems to be a weird trend. He's a guy that I do expect to make the cut. And then we get into Bryce Garnett. So Bryce Garnett, very similar play to that to Pat and Kazire. Had been playing some pretty solid golf recently. Or more that of Chase Seifert, I should say. Um, fifth at the Puerto Rico Open, miscut the players, 25th at Honda, and ninth at the Corrales. Now, Bryce Garnett typically plays well at those alternative field events, so it's no shock that he went on and played well. Kind of the shocking thing with him is that he had a top 20 place finish here last year, miscut in 2019, then a 42nd place finish in 2018. So two out of three make cuts with a top 20 finish. Overall ranks 35th staff wise and 36th in the model, giving him a right around a 50% chance to make the cut at 6.4. Yeah, we'll dabble with that a little bit. Uh, but that's all I have for you guys for this video. If you liked this video, please give me a like and subscribe. I do appreciate that. If you guys want to join 9to5Nation, it's the best value out there. Got a bunch of great tools for you guys to use to be able to succeed. You guys can use them how you see fit. That's the best part about it. So $10 a month for that. You guys can join 9to5 uh, there and get you know those solid player pools like we had last week for the Masters. Then just closing it out, I do kind of want to mention the Masters there because, man, we got to remember that it is a game and you kind of have to play the game. So on DF or on DraftKings last week, you had to play the game and naturally you ended up on Sanjay M and Daniel Berger. I had a really good week on Yahoo because, well, others were a little bit different. It was a little bit easier to make a good lineup. Um, and just all in all with the Masters, it is the worst one for PGA DFS, the worst major for PGA DFS because it's pretty much a no-cut event. If you have one small slip-up like Daniel Berger, that 20 points can really be costly. Where in other weeks, if you have uh, your top three players that are in your main build, go out and do well like Ron, like Jordan, and Mike Connors did, you're gonna have a pretty successful week. Um, so just something for you guys to remember next time that the Masters comes around. And also to remind you that in these next coming majors, Definitely go and attack those a little bit more than you did for the Masters. All right, thanks for watching, guys. And as always, let's keep cashing.